I wish I had hit record a half second sooner. I on wish that. you had to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Ah, that's okay, for those who missed it. We're talking about our big comfy couch, and how it's hard to get up out of. And I said, usually, you know, hard getting up. That's what I'm after. <laughs> it's a gay joke. It's funny, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's less funny when you have to re-explain it. No! But, you know, no, it's fine. They'll get the what? gist. <laughs> <laughs> it is just as funny the second time around. <laughs> that's the kind of face you see... When you open up your camera, but it's accidentally your front-facing camera, and you're just like, <laughs> I, uh, I feel like I need to take a photo of this so that I can share it uh, on podcast day. Anyway, okay, enough, enough, enough random stuff from me. I'm here. I am ready. <laughs> nobody loves it. Slash. Oh my god. Welcome to episode twenty-six of. Sibling Rants! It's your big brother, Andrew. And your little sister, Bronwyn. And that was actually really nice. Yeah, we did that really <laughs> well. That was a nice little moment. Watch us uh, listen to the recording and it'll be like fucking terrible. It'll be absolute trash. Anyway! <laughs> <laughs> and as we sit here in our home in Kitchener, Ontario, we are reminded that these lands are the traditional homes of the Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabe, and Neutral Peoples, and that Waterloo Region is located within Treaties 3, and the Haldeman Treaty. We recognize and deeply appreciate their historic connection to this region, and we also recognize the contributions Indigenous peoples have made in shaping and strengthening this community. We are grateful for the opportunity to create on these lands together and reaffirm our commitment to truth and reconciliation in our community. We're also grateful when Bronwyn doesn't go off script. <laughs> yeah, you guys won't hear it. Because I'm asking Andrew to remove it. Yeah. But I went I'm, a little off script and then it turned out really bad. And so yeah. I was like, I'm just gonna. This is the thing. People are like, why can't you memorize it? I'm like, because I literally fucking, like, my brain doesn't memorize she gets, shit. She gets halfway through there <laughs> and then the brain goes for a little bit of a stroll into the forest and. Correct. The face sprites pick it up and run with it. Anyway, that'll remain a mystery to everybody. Woo-hoo! It will. I mean, <laughs> listen, it, it's a mystery, but also not. They've listened to this fucking podcast at this That's point. True. Like, you understand. <laughs> Tangents happen, That's mouth true. moves, brain follows after. We, mo- we generally don't cut them out, but there are moments where it's appropriate to... Yes, there have been out. some where it's like, okay, uh, and other And times- to clarify, because this is now sounding really bad, I didn't say anything bad, I just phrased something terribly and wanted to restart, so that's... People phrasing! <laughs> <laughs> Archer reference for anyone oh who God. didn't get it. Ha! <sighs> Y'all... <sighs> It has been. It's been a fucking week, week again. Yeah. I like to just kind of like ball up a bunch of shit and just kind of like throw it. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah <laughs> it does. And this week was a really big old shit pile. It's everything will come to light <laughs> by next week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Currently, it's a lot of shit that's happened in my own personal life, mm-hmm. and I'm just not in a space to be able to talk about it yeah, comfortably. Totally cool. And I. I who knows? Come next week, too. I may start talking about it, and I may realize that I'm really not as okay as I might think I am come next yeah. Tuesday. So, sorry for the vagueness, but <laughs> things will make sense in due time, and just know that... Until then, brother has me. I do. I do. I'm actually so grateful. Yeah. Um, I'm grateful that I have an immensely supportive group of people in my life yeah, whereby when shit does get wrong that I can lean on. Yep. Same. And they have been so incredibly helpful to me over the past week and a bit. 
Um, special shout out to Aaron, my best friend. I can't begin to say how blessed I am to have a woman like her in my life and to call her my best friend. We love Aaron. We do love Aaron. She is an amazing human being. Yeah. And yeah, I'm super, super happy yeah. that she is my bestie. And then of course today you had to deal with, or this week you have to deal with month end too. So I <laughs> do. <laughs> and then Capitalism horseshit. Yeah, right. And then there's me who like, this week has actually been better than last. Like I did not pull an all nighter this week. <laughs> Great. So Woo-hoo! far. Shut up. Um, <laughs> it's not going to happen anyway. But like work has really, really picked up because we're planning our festival, as I said last episode. And it's just been a lot for me to adjust. And I've actually, I actually like opened up to my team and just said, cause our team has gotten a lot larger for the festival. And I, I opened up in our like meeting last Friday and was like, I'm adjusting, but I have found that like the, the significant increase of work all of a sudden, um, while I was prepared for it, I was never fully prepared for it because it's triggered some like PTSD responses from my last job because the last time I had this kind of chaotic increase in work I wasn't supported and I was set up to fail and so it's really hard even though I know that my team's not going to do that now it's really hard to like go through this and be like oh right I'm in a different setting like this these are just triggers this it'll be fine so it's just anyway these things are normal these things happen but luckily I did like I was like holding it in and I hadn't you guys have all met Pam if you've been listening to these episodes uh (laughs) or at least you've heard her voice and uh (laughs) my boss and uh I I was like trying not to bother her with it because I I was like oh she's so busy and of course like that's really stupid because usually I tell Pam everything but I think I just got very in my head and so I chatted with her I guess on Friday and I immediately felt so much better so um a reminder to folks that if you are in a supportive environment do tell your bosses when you, <laughs> or your, your colleagues that you know and trust are supportive um when you need it because it'll it'll help you out but I know not everybody has the privilege of having that at work so I also understand there are nuances to that but anyway so that was last week and then this week this weekend was really good had uh, got to introduce cute girl to friends and brother briefly i met cute girl <laughs> she's remaining cute girl for now because this is a public podcast anyway <laughs> but i mean but, also uh, she is cute she's very cute so um so yeah so weekend was good it was actually a really amazing weekend and uh now i'm just back into the work thing and i'm, I'm still really struggling i think with um like my iron levels and they're really slow to rebuild. So I have to take a lot of naps and it's really hard to undo the shame around that. I've been finding, like we talked about productivity culture last week and, and I just find that like every week when I get really tired and feel like I need to take a nap, like I follow the nap ministry on Instagram. I know I shouldn't feel shame for needing naps, but here I am needing a nap and going, Oh, I'm not, I'm not a good employee. Shut up, Rockman. Anyway, so that's what I'm currently dealing with. Uh, I feel that, though, because, like, obviously, (laughs) with with what's gone on in my life over the Mm -hmm. past week and a bit, I've got things that I should be tackling and being on top of more, and I haven't had the headspace for, because when you do have things going down on your life that occupy a lot of emotional and mental space, it drains what you have to do other jobs. It takes those spoons away from 
the ability to do the other things that you had on your plate. Yeah, and we all have different abilities to cope with that, right? Like, there are some people who find it perfectly easy to put that aside and go into work and not think about it. Great. But that's not everybody. And, like, I'm not one of those people. And, you know, like, you might be sometimes, but... Yeah, you know, it, it really depends, depends on what happens. And, and I actually find it immensely difficult to focus on things in my life that I need to focus on when something happens um, that, that is less ideal <laughs> because my, it, I can't just like due to my mental health stuff and my ADHD, like I can't just shut it off. I don't know how to just shut off my brain. So, and it takes a lot like that adds exhaustion because you're constantly battling back and forth in your head. So yeah. And yeah. know that you can't ever know just by looking at someone. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those yeah. awful, and I mean awful for myself, people that can <laughs> hold it really, yeah. really well together out in public and you wouldn't know. And I mean, like, oh, yeah. I don't have ADHD. I know of. So, so I mean, masking for me isn't the same way, but mm-hmm. I mean, I very much have a, a very front-facing yeah. personality that the vast majority of people see and you wouldn't know yeah. you wouldn't know the struggles that i'm going through and what goes on in my brain behind and that goes for everybody because mm-hmm. uh, i had uh, one of our listeners my buddy dave who ha- is a regular listener of ours reached out to me and he actually had a nurse or a nurse practitioner of some sort Look at him when he went in and saw on his charts that he had ADHD and looked at him and goes, well, you don't look like you have ADHD. What does ADHD look like? Yeah, thank you. That makes me so angry. Yeah. Like, what? Okay. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, I gave her a rant. ADHD and autism, neurotyp... Or, uh, not neurotypicality, uh, neurodivergence. Um, It doesn't look any specific way. This is one of the fucking terrible stereotypes about this and it means that so many people go underdiagnosed misdiagnosed not diagnosed like i just i and then they deal with shit like that which like we deal with so much imposter syndrome already living in a neurotypical focused world and then we hear shit like that from medical professionals that nurse needs to be re-educated that shit makes me so angry anyway uh, I'm sorry, Dave, that you had to experience that because fuck that nurse. I'm holding up my middle finger right now. Yeah, he well, he apparently went off on the nurse and Good. then immediately requested another one. Good. And as you should. And I mean, it's understand for anyone out there listening that this, that kind of behavior is not okay. And you are well within your rights to stand your ground yeah. and request a different practitioner, yeah. be it a nurse be it a doctor, be it For a counselor. Anything. I mean, like, even mental health, the, like, the amount of people who are like, well, you don't seem depressed. Like, yeah, okay, thank you. I'm so glad you can see inside my brain. Like, it's just this, in tw- and I know I mention it super often, but 2019 was the worst year of my life. And I legitimately wanted to end my life that year on multiple occasions. You would not have known it by just talking to me normally. I looked... Like I was able, like I am a mass, I've been masking my whole life through my ADHD. And so, and I'm like, that's why I'm good at customer service. That's why, like, I'm able to put on a face, but I'm not fine all the time just because I appear it like this narrative. It harms people with mental health disorders of any sort or mental health issues. It's it, it harms people with, with like neurodivergence. It harms people with any sort of disability. It like, well, you don't appear to be 
this. And it's like, literally, shut the fuck up, Karen. Shut up. Yeah. You don't know that. <laughs> you know? And it's, anyway, I'm going to... That well, shit makes me so angry. And, and then that brings in the thing, too, of people very candidly using the term high-functioning. Mm-hmm. You know, which is also it's harmful. It is. Yeah. It's also inherently problematic. I mean, I for better or for worse, that's more or less mm-hmm. the the spectrum that I sit in. But also, I don't like using that term yeah. because it also instantly puts a value and a level yes, on someone's mental health. So yeah. by saying that you know this person is high-functioning anxiety or high-functioning depression automatically means just because someone is having a more aggressive day and isn't capable of doing those things um, or even just isn't capable of doing those things because as a whole, their anxiety, their depression, their ADHD, their BPD, whatever the fuck it is, is just more aggressive than the next person's. Putting high-functioning as a definition on it puts it on a scale that doesn't need to fucking be there because it undermines. And I mean, like, I've called myself high-functioning depression in the like in the past mm-hmm. um, because it's true. You wouldn't necessarily know because I am very good at masking. I'm very good at putting on that face and just like going about my business um, to people who don't know me very well or people who I don't want to get into it with kind of thing. Anybody else. And I'm like, I'm not doing well, uh, but that's taken a long time to develop that too. Right. But, but yeah, it is, it truly, because what's a person who is depressed and, and not quote unquote high functioning, like, by saying that I'm high functioning, it me all that means is that I fit into society better when I'm at my worst. That's all that means. It's the same with like high functioning ADHD, high functioning autism. It is harmful to people with ADHD and autism to suggest that there is a high functioning and a low functioning. Whereas when you actually look at, and this is why it's important that we look at this research now because it has changed in the past 20, 30 years. Particularly, actually, the last decade, it has changed significantly. Like, there's, we're, we're breaking down some of the stigmas around it. And I do credit TikTok for some of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but, like, because even, like, even I have learned a lot about my own ADHD in the past year, which has made me, like, it's put me in a headspace of, like, wow, so many people in my life failed me because they didn't know these things or they didn't, they didn't see this as an issue or whatever. Like, and that's me who's been diagnosed for a decade, right? Like, there are people who are just realizing their diagnosis in their thirties and they're going, how did my family just think this was all my fault? Like, how did people let me suffer? You know, and that's, and, and not just parents, like medical professionals. How did people just call me lazy or just depressed or all the, anyway, there's a lot of like trauma that comes with that in, in realizing these things later. But the, but anyway, the, the, the research that we're learning now is autism, ADHD, even depression and what they're all, they're not on a spec, like a scale. No, they're on like a, it's not linear pie chart and it's got all these different facets to it. So for like ADHD, it's got like inattention, auditory processing disorder, uh, lack of focus, uh, you know, like a whole bunch of different things. And your, it's, it's like your version of ADHD is just based on how big those pie slices are per item. So somebody else who has ADHD might have a very high or very large pie slice of auditory processing disorder, whereas mine's much smaller, but their ability to focus on, on tasks is much, or their inability to, so their like executive dysfunction, for example, their pie, pie slice for executive dysfunction might be much smaller, whereas mine is much larger. That's not high functioning or low functioning. It's just function. It's just like everybody functions differently. Yeah. So let's not put a hierarchy on that. And it's also that puts that puts people who are quote unquote high functioning 
to use other people's terms in in danger because i mean one of the things my mom said to me in 2019 was she said i literally feared for your life because i know that you don't appear to be as bad as you are and it she said it reminded her very much of um like robin williams and how he seemed so happy and whatnot nobody knew how bad it was and she was worried that that would happen to me right and it's the the, the high functioning aspect of that is what leads us to believe that the strongest people around us don't need help when when everybody needs help yeah you know and it's just anyway so that's that's uh, i know that's a, a very specific tangent but yes i absolutely hate high functioning i mean it's <laughs> it's a specific tangent but in the yeah. same swing though it's applicable across the boards mm-hmm. you know there are a lot of people who can relate to the whole aspect of knowing that people may not necessarily show as okay and and understand that that doesn't look the same like that's i feel like that's why i struggled with uh when my roommate took his life years back because again i didn't see any visible signs that that gave me an indication of course it's podcast time and huntley feels the need to speak up (laughs) every week now uh but you know it's and i i'm i am very much the same way it's it's not until i am at break point that you will see yep. a lot from me, which is, again, not necessarily the healthiest on my <laughs> part. Uh, that is my unhealthy habit of holding a lot of things in. Uh, and it becomes that, and that becomes an entire separate issue yeah. of like being the person who is the typical support pillar for most yeah. people and what that does to you in the long term. Uh, so, and we'll get into that more probably come next week when we dive into some more of my stuff a little bit uh, because there's a lot to break down there. But uh, yeah, just just know that ADHD, autism, BPD, you name it, does not have a look. There is no definitive look. You cannot tell these things. For a medical professional to say that is disgusting, for an average person on the street, get away from those narratives. Break that down, yeah. move away from them, understand that high functioning is not an endearing term. It's mm-hmm. not cute. No. A- and we should work to start uh, reimagining these things because the sooner we can start to reimagine them too and have these discussions, the more we can wrap our heads around things and yep. figure this shit out and uh, normalize neurodivergence in, yes. in all that it is. Oh my God. I mean, like, neurodivergence has been absolutely suppressed. By capitalism for a really long time because we are not the most quote-unquote productive under this regime you know and it's just the like okay well you know back in history when we were supposed to be, when we had like much more communal way of living neurodivergence were the ones who did the hunting and gathering and it was like 20 hours a week but we did it very very well and then the rest of the time we would do whatever else was needed in the camp but like now we're expected to work 40 plus hour work weeks and just do the grind and be productive and turn everything we're passionate about into some way to make money and it's just this like that's not what my brain is made for it does not make me a lesser human to struggle through that and actually like i made a tiktok today about this because i'm just so fucking exhausted like i look at i look at boomers for example who very likely do have adhd but there was no diagnosis when they were younger and they and there was a lot of stigma around it as they got older and i just think like they have had 
to run themselves to exhaustion up until retirement, just trying to get by in a system that was not made for them without any knowledge that they weren't made for the system right and then there's our generation who like the world is even worse than it used to be and i am 31 and i'm fucking exhausted you know and like and no i don't have kids no i don't own my own house no i like i i don't have any of that i'm still exhausted like my tiktok today was just about like i i am so tired all the time and it's not just from medical stuff it is from just trying to like fit into this like productivity culture bullshit and make it work it's exhausting you know anyway not that i have a solution for that aside from down with capitalism but <laughs> burn it to the fucking ground burn it down <laughs> uh yeah i mean as someone who is not again adhd to the best of my knowledge uh i really enjoy adhd tiktok i've fallen yeah. down it because i interact with a lot yeah. of the videos though because it's really informative, and I do have a number yeah. of friends in my life who are oh yeah ADHD to some extent or another. And for me, as a more neurotypical person, mm-hmm. it just helps me see and understand things better. It makes helps me identify a lot of the pieces that I wouldn't necessarily get, yeah. and it also just in turn then helps me empathize with that and yes. work with it better yes. and understand it because there's just oh the conversations God, yes. are amazing i mean i've there. learned so much not just from adhd tiktok about myself but also from autistic tiktok um and also have it has made me think like hmm should i explore this kind of thing i'm not convinced that i am autistic but there's also not a problem if i am i just but it's allowing me the time to kind of like explore that and see it without the stigma and like tiktok like the difference between how the real world talks about neurodivergence and how people on tiktok talk about it is so different which is why we've learned so much about ourselves because we go on a tiktok and it's like hey did you know that as an autistic person you do these really cool things then you see it in like a in clinical research and it's like autistic people have this trait which is really often frustrating and and blah 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 and it's just so different so we've been allowed to learn about it in a way that's just completely destigmatized uh completely understood by everybody who is coming across them and it's become really popular this adhd and this autistic this neurodivergent side of tiktok and and much like we say with anti-racism like you to to understand these like these tiktoks are not just for me as a neurodivergent like these TikToks are for everybody. The more you follow, like I follow accounts for BPD. I follow accounts for autism. I follow accounts for, um, there's a, uh, somebody I follow who has narcissistic personality disorder, NPD. And it's really interesting to see how their therapist works with them on NPD. And it's, you know, all of these, I follow these accounts because it's so important to learn from lived experience to undo the biases that I have always had, or to undo the, the, the perspectives I have based on trauma from dealing with people who have these issues, you know, like it's, it's, and these mental health things and, and, and neurodivergence. So it's, it's so important for us to do that learning by following these accounts and by by listening to these traits in a way that is unstigmatized and just fact giving, you know. Um, so I, I definitely encourage people to do so. Yeah, you definitely should not be trash. 
which is an acronym, actually. I found this cute oh little thing on Facebook today, and it stands for transphobic, racist, ableist, sexist, or homophobic. Don't be trash. Recycle your hatred with education and create new knowledge instead. That's amazing. And I will 100% share that cute little thing on our socials yes. because, yeah, I thought it was really, really cute. And I was like, we tote that white people are trash and we need to stop being trash all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this is just so appropriate yep. because now we say it and it's an acronym. Yep. Amazing. Now great. when people now when people go like, it's terrible to call a human being trash, I can be like, actually, trash doesn't mean what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> also, speaking of white people being trash. Oh, <laughs> boy. Segue. This is a really great segue into something else I wanted to talk about. Here we go. So, I mean, we've all been in this pandemic for a year and a fucking half. Some people, almost two years. And, like, I just, I sometimes really, I was talking to people about this, I sometimes really miss the beginning of the pandemic because while it sucked, it was also this this moment of, like, yes, it was a big moment of trauma for all of us, but it was very collective. It was very, we're all scared, we're all experiencing the same thing, we're all confused, we're all, you know, like, it's a paradigm shift for everybody, you know, there, there was more of a unity. And now, a year and a half out, we are in the state where people are still fighting lockdowns, people are not getting vaccinated, people are not listening to science, and we have really, truly surpassed this thing where people believe that they can have the same opinions and knowledge as somebody who has done 10 years plus worth of research and and like education in a certain field like i don't know science immunology virology medic the like the medical field (laughs) and we have people who legitimately just believe that because they don't want to believe this pandemic is real because they can't wrap their heads around it because they believe all the conspiracies that come their way they truly just believe that their opinion matters just as much. And I'm just, it just literally fucking blows my mind. I've been, there's been a couple of TikToks because I follow a lot of doctors and people with PhDs in microbiology and whatnot who've been talking about this pandemic for the duration of the pandemic. I also follow a lot of nurses who talk about what it is like to be a nurse on the front lines right now, both in Canada and in the States, all of whom are terrified about how little we are taking Delta seriously. But anyway... The anti-vax movement is just completely abhorrent. Like, I just cannot wrap my head around. I can't wrap my head around it. I know that some people have, like, a level of understanding for the fears that come along with injecting something new into your body. But I literally cannot get past the fact that even being shown facts that are understandable and digestible from scientists, how people will still go, you're wrong. There has to be another side to this. And it's just, it's... They will literally tell a scientist that they, their degrees don't matter because they're like, they have also done their research when their research has been to use confirmation bias from doctors that aren't on the front line, doctors that are in it to make money, people like Dr. Oz, things like that. Um, And their own like bubble of information that they're in. Well, and that's just it. Like that's, that's not even touching on... The amount of people whose quote-unquote research is to read a headline. Mm-hmm. Like, so I have a, a prime example oh, of this yeah. that I went through last week and I had to debunk for an acquaintance of mine who went off and he goes, uh, he, he just was spouting anti-vax rhetoric of like, 
oh, why is there, a, you know, a vaccine passport coming in? Why is the government pushing for this so much? Whatever. And I started basically breaking it down in the comments and, yeah. like, giving him facts, pulling up sites from yeah. medical officiated websites yeah. of how things operate in terms of the vaccine and whatnot. And he goes, well, in my experience, da 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 And I'm like, okay, your experience is fine. Congratulations. Count yourself as one of the lucky ones. He's like, well, my mother and my sister got COVID and they barely got sick and it's laughable between all three of us. So I don't see the point to it and et cetera. And I was oh like, okay, God, great. Count yourself You're fucking lucky. Well, and I looked at him. I was like, okay, great. Your mother and your sister are two people out of... We also a country don't know of yet what their long-term effects are going to be from it. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe they lucked out with a very mild case, each of them, and woohoo, good for fucking you. But to say that my family had it and nothing happened, therefore everything else is bullshit, is to disregard the stories of millions of people who have contracted COVID oh, yeah. across the fucking world who like, are telling you that this is nothing to take to make light of. I told him, oh I was like, God. I was like, if you don't think this is killing people, please explain to me then why in the fuck there are mass graves in India. Yes. To the point that bodies and piles are just having to be burned to clear it out fast enough, which is fucking disgusting. That's not even including the tens of thousands of people who have died here, right here in North America. And then the rest tens of the globe, of, like yeah. two like, people. Like, Hundreds we, of thousands of people in North America. We fail to realize just how small our bubbles are yeah. until you really start to think how many other people and places there are around the world. And yeah. I know that, like, that's not an easy thing to do, yeah. but take the time to think about well, it. And the worst part is, too, is that his one buddy tried to start chiming in God. and goes, well, they've tried using the vaccine to cure, uh, oh, what the fuck were they saying? Something about they were trying to shift this vaccine to cure measles now. And that it was... We it, already that have it a killed. measles vaccine! He goes off to say they've shifted to use this vaccine to try and cure measles and it's killed over 50% of the mice that it's been used on, etc. And I was like, can you cite your sources, Yeah, please? literally, no. And when you ask and them he, to cite sources, they can't oh, yeah. do it. Did not hear from him again. Oh I went God. pulling up sources and I went, what is the link between this? Turns out, in fact, that actually quite the opposite is happening, and science is currently trying to use the already incredibly perfectly effective MMR yes. vaccine, which is measles, mumps, and rubella, yes. for those who don't know, <laughs> and trying to inject it with the COVID-19 bacteria to see if they can make that effective for battling COVID-19. Yes. So it's literally the exact opposite of the rhetoric he was sitting there spouting. And the more that I started to argue with this quote-unquote friend of mine, the more it eventually got to a point where he was like, well, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have the time to do the research. Or no, that's a lot of research to be done. And I said, then do the research. <laughs> well, I don't have the time to be doing that. This is... And that's, uh, and that's you it. You cannot have a... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> People are like, I have a right to an opinion. Not if you have not done your fucking research and by your research i mean your research and other people's research like i like i just not just your like unfounded thoughts on something like i just i don't have time to do the research then listen to professionals the amount of people who think that this is such such a wide conspiracy for governments to control us like 
Why do you think that the, like, the numbers literally show that vaccines work, but you are disregarding literal fact because you do not want to believe it. This whole, like, world we have gotten into where people think that they are equal to scientists because they have opinions just fucking blows my mind. Like, these are the same kind of people who sit there and will see a post from The Onion or The Beaverton and then sit in the comment section and be like, yeah, yeah, amen to that, whatever. And it's like, do 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 y'all not realize that this... This entire these are the same, are the same people who think that all the governments across the world are conspiring together to kill off the masses of people, which like doesn't benefit our governments at all. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's not a terrible they, idea. I mean, it's not. It's not. We're trash. But like, <laughs> this planet will do so much better without us here. You know, just surprise, saying. surprise. But like, just they think that this is some mass fucking conspiracy, and that like the government is pushing vaccines to kill us off, and yet the numbers show that unvaccinated people are dying at much higher rates. In fact, mostly it is unvaccinated people that are dying. Oh yeah, when and you look at the numbers to see that. But one, governments are not that well coordinated. Two, what the fuck is a government going to do if they don't have people to govern? And th- and third, like <laughs> you guys are the ones that blatantly follow blatantly is not the right word. Um blindly, blindly and ignorantly and like unconsciously fucking follow governments like Trump and Ford and Kenny and like very conservative right-wing governments and will believe anything they fucking say like a damn fucking cult. And you're the one that thinks that the whole world is conspiring to kill everybody. Right? I'm sorry. Did you see how the vaccine rollout went in Canada? Fuck, man. Provincial governments can't pull their heads out of their ass long enough to... Like, these people couldn't organize a fart in a windstorm. (laughs) Like, Fuck. And that's not hard. No. Like, you literally just let one fucking rip. Right. I have to fart all the time. Yeah. You just gotta wait for a windstorm. (laughs) But they can't fucking do it. No. No. (laughs) It's just, it's positively absurd. And again, when you corner these people, and you will find, honestly, if you take the time, and I I get it, not everyone's got the headspace to fight with every one of these dumb fucks. (laughs) But if you take the time to actually go through and start breaking down their argument, Counterpoint by counterpoint, you will eventually and inevitably arrive at the fact that they have not done extensive research and that they do not wish to. And you will provide all sorts of, like, the amount of times I've provided, like, an article, for example, and they're like, look at you believing in mainstream media like CNN. And I'll be like, okay. And then I'll go into Google Scholar and I'll find a scholarly article that I know they're not going to understand, but that like, I barely understand, but know enough that it says what I need it to say. (laughs) And I will share that and be like, here, for you who doesn't believe the news, here's a literal peer-reviewed scholarly article from a scientist. And then they have nothing to fucking say about that. You know, like, it's just, it's, it's like... I got into an argument a while ago, which I think I did rant about on this podcast at one point. So here we go again. It's just so relevant, though, is the like you get into these fights with people who and it's not even just like full anti-vaxxers. It's people who like, well, I'm vaccinated for everything else, but I'm just worried about how quickly they did this, this, this vaccine and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And they refuse because of the and, and again, it is because of the bubbles they live in. It is because of the people that are around them. Very few people find it hard to break from that kind of ignorance, right? Because these are the people you've always trusted your whole life, telling you things that are actual lies, but you believe them, right? And I get that that's difficult for people who have grown up in these bubbles. Much like it's very hard for me to understand the op- like the other side of the story, because I grew up in a much more forward-thinking bubble, right? You know, so it's I get that to an extent. 
But there is a point where you are just refusing to do the research. Like I have a, a person on Facebook that I have become friends with this year. It's very new. We met on, we met through like a mutual group um, event thing. And she was hesitant at first for, for all those reasons, right? Like she, it was, it all felt very quick. It all felt very like pressured and, and whatnot, but she, I believe is, is high risk herself. And so she did her research and she was able to, you know, feel more comfortable getting the vaccine and that I commend. But when she posted about it, this one person I got into this major back and forth with, because no matter how much information I provided, I provided TikToks, I provided YouTube videos, I provided, uh, articles I provided scholarly articles I provided like all of these things that are proof that like he clearly hasn't done his research and he was talking about like well I've done my own research and I just don't think it's enough and I was like what is going to constitute enough information and I was legitimately sharing like TikToks from doctors and from nurses who are begging people to get the vaccine because of how bad the COVID wards still are like doctors from Toronto at the time this was months and months ago when Toronto was at its worst but like but it's just the like it's you you won't even listen to that. So when you tell me you've done all the research and you still don't think it's enough, you're fucking lying to me. Don't yeah. lie. Just admit that you don't want to do it. You know, yeah. like it's just, that's the thing that really gets me. It's this refusal to listen to the research and the lived experiences and the, because it doesn't fit your narrative. It It is so, like, I have like days that I just feel completely doomsday because I, because the, the, what this pandemic has exposed, especially in North America, and I am specifically talking about Canada and the United States, it has very specifically exposed how easy it would be to annihilate <laughs> entire populations. Like I was, I was watching a TikTok that said this pandemic was not man-made, but the next one will be because the whole world has been watching while the United States sits there and goes, I'm not going to vaccinate. I don't believe in COVID, blah, blah, blah. And they're yeah. seeing how fucking easy it would be to engineer something that would destroy them. Like it would be so fucking easy. We, and I know it's a joke, but I saw a meme that was like, y'all, we are not ready for the zombie apocalypse because we couldn't even fucking survive on easy. Mode I right know. Now. And it's, like, true. it's true. If any of y'all have sat there and played plague Inc on your phone. And if you haven't, I highly recommend go have fun. It's cool. You get <laughs> get to destroy the world with varying types of you know viruses and bacterias <laughs> but again literally easy mode is people won't get vaccinated people refuse to wash their hands people refuse to follow the health advice mm. like and it is a drop in the bucket to take down the entire world it's yeah. almost guaranteed that you'll win every single time yeah. and like this yeah. is li like we are stuck in easy mode because people are so fucking dumb it's the ignorance. I, I'm skeptical to use the word dumb just because I don't inherently think people are stupid. And I also think that that can be ableist. But I, but the ignorance is just, it's so, it's so rampant. It's so rampant. It's, it's disgusting. It's just, it, it's just, it just fucking like spreads like a disease. And it's just, and it, it like, it literally fucking spreads like COVID. <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually saw another thing too that said maybe we should drift away from using the term uh, avoid like the plague because we've very yeah! clearly proven that we can't. We, we can't! <laughs> like that expression is dead with COVID because uh... it's like, it's like we don't avoid the plague. In fact, and when you look at history, there were people who denied the plague too, right? Like it's like this, unfortunately, this is not normal, but the level of denial that we are seeing through this pandemic is exposing 
so much. And people keep going, like people, people who are on the other side of this argument keep going, well, I mean, imagine seeing something from our forefathers, like imagine our forefathers seeing people in America or, or in the United States are going like, imagine what our forefathers would think about these measures we put in place. And when you actually look back in history and you see the mandates that they put forward for people coming off boats with the plague, there were major quarantine efforts in place. And in fact, it could result in execution, public execution, because you were putting other people in danger, a whole society in danger just by spread. Like, people don't realize that in history, the, the ramifications for not doing things like, I don't know, getting vaccinated or quarantining or wearing a mask were much stricter than they are now. We are so focused on this, like, oh, it's a free world that, like, we don't realize that, like, yeah, you actually do have way more freedom than you used to. It would have cost you your life. And honestly, some days I sit here going, maybe rightly so. Yep. That's... You're putting people in fucking danger. Like, I, I just... 100% had those thoughts. Oh, my God. I mean, so the, okay, I don't know if people know what the R not is. But it is what you explain. It's called. It, it's like the. Um, it's what you explain. It's how you explain the the contractibility of a disease. Or and please don't quote me on how I'm saying this because I am not a medical professional. I have just learned this through my research and through podcasts that I listen to. I do recommend a podcast called "This Podcast Will Kill You" if you are more interested in learning about infectious diseases, vir- viral uh, um, virology, and and whatnot. Great podcast. But anyway, that's if you want more accurate descriptions. But the r not is how quickly something spreads. So um, uh, I know that measles is very high, but like uh, the flu, I think, is an r not of one or I think it's one. Um, I'm going to look this up right now, actually. <laughs> well, while you're doing that, I'm also going to talk to um, a point that I had here that has now completely escaped my brain because I opened my mouth. <laughs> nope, got it back. We're here. Uh, okay, so the other thing that I'm hearing from a lot of people, too, who aren't necessarily anti-vax but are still hesitant about it is, well, we don't know the long-term effects. Now, I don't have the exact source sitting in front of me, uh, but this did come from a doctor, an epidemiologist, I believe, possibly on TikTok. Because, again, TikTok is, like, a lot of really, really reputable people started using TikTok as a means to get words out to the younger generations. And it was effective because uh, a number of us are listening. Uh, But it was brought up, and you can also see this. Like, a very quick Google search will tell you. Vaccines do not typically have long-term effects that last beyond two months. Because vaccines aren't set up a certain way and so this tiktok that i saw actually explained that vaccines do not change anything on a physiological level Mm -hmm. for you it's why getting something like the flu vaccine you got to update every year i mean also a it's just because of the different strains so like you're never going to be fully vaccinated against the flu but b because like you can't permanently until we get to a point where you know enough people are doing it that the thing is entirely destroyed like measles mumps rubella You know, you're never going to achieve that. We are never going to achieve that with COVID at the rate that we're fucking going because there's so many people who are dumb. Like, you would literally have to have every single able-bodied person who can vaccinate. And you need to understand that there are not long-term effects. There's not something that's magically going to show up. And you also have to understand, too, that mRNA vaccines have been in development for decades They were in development and those kind of vaccines were being worked on before SARS was even a thing in 2003. And then became even more focused 
on COVID-type viruses, which are, sorry, corona-type viruses, which is what COVID is. Corona is, or, uh, COVID is a SARS-Corona-2 something to that effect. Um, And corona literally just referring to the shape of the cells, which looks like a crown. And we have had other coronaviruses before. This is just a novel coronavirus. We had not seen it in human, this specific spike protein, we had not seen in humans prior to COVID-19. Yeah, so like these were in works after yeah. SARS and after MERS and all of which were coronaviruses. <laughs> yeah, so we've we've been yeah. working on this for decades. None of this was rushed because I'll admit it kind of took me a little bit by surprise too. But again, a little and like again, I have not done extensive research. A little bit of research fucking yeah. educated me. And that's, yes, but like, it's because you're willing to listen, right? It's that like you were, you put the ego aside and were able to be like, okay, I am not as knowledgeable about this as the people that are telling me this information. 100%. And therefore I'm going to listen to them. Um, and that's the difference, right? People are not able to, they either are not able to or they don't want to. Yeah. And that's the thing I really struggle with and not wanting to, like not being able to let that, put that ego aside for a moment and let people who have this education and this experience and this firsthand lived experience tell you what it's like. You know, um, I did look up Arnott um, just because I know that my own description was going to be terrible and I, I don't want to do that disservice. But the basic reproduction number of a contagious disease known as Arnott, so R0, is the number of people per infected individual that will be generated over the course of its infectious period in a susceptible population. So to break that down a little more, it is how many people you could possibly infect with or with, with the disease. Um, the higher the value of R0, the higher the risk of an epidemic or a pandemic, since each individual is potentially able to infect a larger number of people with the risk of exponential growth. Contagion potential should not, however, be associated with lethality of a disease. For example, or for instance, uh, influenza is a regular form, uh, in its regular form, is highly contagious, R0 between 2 and 4, but has low lethality. On the opposite range, Ebola has a lower contagion, are not between 1.5 and 2.5, but is much more lethal. The most contagious diseases known, measles and pertussis, whooping cough, have a very high are not, but are easily preventable through what vaccination? We have pretty much eradicated these in, in the Western world through vaccination which is oh look vaccines work um and then the are not so the are not for covid and the are the are not for the different so for alpha and then for delta are different and that's that's the piece that i just learned recently is how much it's increased so the are not for covid19 median of 5.7 according to a study published online in emergence in emerging infectious diseases that's about double and an earlier are not estimate of 2.2 to 2.7. So last year in March, when this was first, when, when we in North America were first really gauging COVID, we did think it was 2.2 to 2.7, which is why that's what I thought initially. Um, but Delta had, so Alpha doubled that. And from a TikTok I recently saw from, I think it was a nurse or a virologist of some sort said that Delta has doubled what Alpha's are not was. So Delta is significantly more transferable, more contagious. You have the ability as somebody who is unvaccinated to infect substantially more people than you did with regular COVID. 
yeah. including people who are vaccinated. Like, I'm fully vaxxed. It does not stop me from getting COVID. This is the thing that people don't seem to understand. They're like, well, people who are vaccinated are still getting uh, COVID. Yeah. Yes, but we are not being hospitalized at as high rates. We are not dying of COVID as easily. Like, the vaccination vaccinations will never fully prevent you from dying from something or from getting sick from something. But they will make it easier to overcome. They will also potentially make you potentially make you a carrier of it, which is why when the CDC put out their, you don't need to wear a mask if you're fully vaccinated thing. I got so angry because we are seeing a spike in cases in the United States. And yes, it is predominantly unvaccinated people, but when vaccinated people who have potentially contracted it and are, are carriers of Delta are going into public spaces, people are catching it, you know, because we become silent carriers and it's just, it's, I just, I don't know. I I'm in this place where like, I see so much of the world wanting to believe that this is done. And I think because of that, especially in North America, we are so far from being done with this pandemic. I think truly this is just the beginning because on top of all that, we have climate change. And I know that there are climate change deniers out there, but the ice caps are literally melting and they are finding diseases and viruses within the ice caps. (laughs) And we don't know what's going to be exposed. No. And I, I I mean, again, this is (laughs) a little bit where dangerous levels of apathy come in but for those who are unvaccinated and and catching it i I find it hard to feel anything oh my god same i mean (laughs) honestly truly i'm at a point now where i'm like if it weren't for the people the other people that they could infect like the people who can't get vaccinated for medical reasons um the people who live in more marginalized areas people who are part of marginalized groups who are afraid to get vaccinated because for example the history of how the medical field has treated indigenous people or black people or you know any person of color those people then get affected by the fucking white people who deny that vaccines work and and this is why the like white people are trash thing was the segue for this because the anti-vax movement as it currently stands, is predominantly, it's part of that anti-mask movement, it's part of the anti-lockdown movement, it is predominantly white people. And it's just this complete, like, we have always lived in a, most of the people that are part of this have never lived in a world, or at least not recently, where where they have to be worried about these because we have eradicated a lot of things like polio and, and, um, and measles and, you know, like, all of those things through vaccinations that we all have. We no longer give the smallpox vaccination because we've eradicated it within our own society. So which is why people need to get smallpox small smallpox. Smallpox vaccinations if they're coming to North America from other countries where there is still smallpox and whatnot. Like or is smallpox completely eradicated? I can't remember now. Anyway. I honestly don't know. Regardless I am not a medical professional, folks. I apologize. But what I'm trying to say is that, like, we have... Shut up. (laughs) We have... (laughs) I hate you. Uh, We we have been able to either almost fully eradicate or fully eradicate certain diseases because of vaccines. And vaccines are not as new as people think they are. Did you know that the smallpox vaccine was made in, like, the 1700s? Yeah. (laughs) And they literally used, like... I think like a slave boy or whatever. I'd have to listen to that episode from um, this podcast will kill you again. But like they, they, they literally use humans as like, (laughs) as their like 
test subjects. Like, we've come a long way since then. Um, like, you get to sign up for and fully consent to what's happening in a, tr in a study. And they only do that when they're sure that it's going to be safe enough for human bodies, right? Like, it's just, it's, we go through a whole process now that people don't see. And so they just think that, like, oh, they're just giving us this. It's going to kill us. It's like, no. And in the past, we found vac vaccines and things like penicillin and whatever by mistake. <laughs> Yeah. Just, uh, it's, it's like I have a, a another meme pulled up here that I yeah. again this is a typical conversation mm -hmm. with people who are against the yeah. COVID vaccine. It's like I'm not going to vaccinate until vaccines are 100 oh, percent effective. Sorry, very quickly before you continue that, the point that I was making just because I'm going to forget again. Okay. The point that I was going to make is that like yes, I do actually feel very little sympathy for people who are unvaccinated and getting sick from COVID because at this point you've had so much fucking time. And you are literally refusing the information that's out there. I'm sorry. Like, these are the consequences yeah. of, of not listening to experts and to scientists and to medical professionals. And, like, th these are the consequences. But I do really still fight against it because if it was that easy as it's just going to be the bigots that are going to die from this... Sure, we but unfortunately, it affects so many other people, right? So that was that was the point I was making. But anyway. to the but to the bigots <laughs> out there, if you go, I'll try to pretend to shed a tear at your funeral. <laughs> sorry, not Hell sorry. Even try. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this meme here is like, I'm not going to vaccinate until vaccines are 100 percent effective. Oh and God. so his reply: Do you wear a helmet? Well, yeah. Well, why they aren't 100 percent effective? <laughs> Do you also wear seatbelts? Yes. Why? They aren't 100% effective either. What if you jumped out of a plane? Would you use a parachute? Well, I suppose. They also aren't 100% effective. What type of birth control do you use? Condoms? An IUD? The pill? Well, this is getting a bit personal. Doesn't really matter because none of them are 100% effective. Yeah. Fine, I get it. Can you please stop? No, asking me to stop isn't 100% effective either. Now let's talk about airbags. <laughs> this is true, though. Like, it's just... It's well, and when 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 seatbelts were first mandated as like you must, they had to put a fine on it for people to actually just start doing it. And now we wouldn't even fathom thinking like, well, I mean, you sh there shouldn't have to wear a seatbelt. Like I know there are people who still don't wear their seatbelts, but for the most part, it's just like ever since I've been able to drive, seatbelts have been a thing since I was a child. That seatbelts have been a thing that I have to wear. You know, like it's this, but it's just, uh, but unfortunately the other piece is that we now live in this world where there's so much di divisiveness, like open divisiveness that was started by, not that it hasn't always been there, but it was elevated by Donald Trump. And the problem with it is that now governments find it really hard to make any sort of mandate around things like this because there's so much pushback about like freedom of expression, freedom of speech, freedom of ability to do what I want, blah, blah, blah. We live in a free country. First of all, if you live in the United States, you don't live in a free fucking country. You live in a very rich third world country, I would like to put out there. You don't even have any form of... of of socialized healthcare, like literally fuck you. But, um, but also <laughs> freedom of expression and freedom of speech, it just allows you to say what you want within reason, as long as it's not hate speech without being persecuted by the government. Any other consequence that comes from that is valid. Like I saw, this is a, a bit of an aside, but I saw an argument on Facebook today that I got really riled up about my, my cousin, oh. Mary. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Another Facebook She argument. posted about there's a restaurant in Ottawa that I guess had an anti-lockdown sentiment uh, posted. Yeah. And she saw it and she was like, wow, I'm really, really disappointed. Like, this, it shouldn't, like, 
I used to love this restaurant and now I don't want to give them my, my business. And I guess she was still connected to like family members on one side of her family that like are very conservative and they started reaming her up for it. They were like, oh, this is cancel culture. Good for you for participating in cancel culture. And I went on a fucking rant. You know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to pull it up because I just, <laughs> I'm very bad at summarizing even my own shit. So this person was going on a, a yeah, a, a cancel culture Rant. So I said, did you know that freedom of expression and freedom of speech doesn't actually mean you can't experience consequences? It just means the government can't penalize you for what you choose to say within reason. This whole, but freedom of speech narrative has been co-opted by right-wing thinkers to state that cancel culture is the worst possible thing imaginable and the left is out of control. Want to hear the reality? I'm not sure you're ready for it. Cancel culture was created by the right to keep people at bay. Think about all the marginalized groups over time that have been unjustly and systemically silence for speaking out about the injustices they experience it still happens constantly if we're going to talk about cancel culture we have to address its roots which most people don't want to actually acknowledge in my humble extreme left ex uh, uh, opinion extreme left is in quotes although i am extreme left i'm i'm this dude's extreme leftist nightmare um <laughs> boycotting is not cancel culture the restaurant has every chance and opportunity to either explain themselves or remove the sentiment or continue business as usual mary has had a right to evaluate as she goes mary has a right to evaluate as she goes if if they make a change mary agrees with she can then reevaluate as she sees fit but the rights of this restaurant are not being infringed upon they might they made a very divisive statement that just furthers the incredibly harmful and rampant anti-mask anti-vax culture that is keeping this pandemic going on top of our provincial government failing at literally every corner that's a consequence for the, his choice of words and actions not a persecution but if you want to talk about cancel culture here's what i'll say sometimes people deserve to not have a platform anymore if they cause harm and they get called out on causing harm then they refuse to learn from that experience and keep being harmful they don't deserve to have their business or platform anymore so often quote-unquote cancel culture as the right sees it is a direct result of many opportunities being given for people to learn and they still chose not to in that case their ignorance is what failed them not the people refusing to buy from them in late stage capitalism it is absolutely important for us to be careful about our consumption if a business promotes something that harms people we should stop giving them our business that's not up for debate in my world because profiting off of things that cause people harm is what capitalism likes to do best so truly fuck your cancel culture bullshit if you truly believe in freedom of speech you wouldn't be so openly upset about mary's post there's a clear double standard here that you refuse to see and it's fucking ugly and i'm just that's the episode oh. um <laughs> <laughs> i'm just so fucking tired of that like and this is the problem is that this is what the governments are all up against is that they're now afraid to deal with anything because they're afraid of being quote unquote canceled. Like, which then means that we don't get like, the, I guess they're all afraid of like creating further divide. Like people over the fucking Atlantic and Pacific oceans are literally watching North America implode. Yeah. And we're doing it to ourselves. We are. And like, it's just, so if you know people in your life who are like that, make the effort, yes. talk to them. For the love of all that is fucking <laughs> holy. Uh, we all love a good hole. I mean. <laughs> that's true. I said it. That's true. It's just a different hole. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> good God. We're disgusting. I am um, an abhorrent human and I <laughs> love it. But in the best ways. I, it is the best ways. Oh, God. I'd make an excellent villain. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. 
<laughs> but in the lovable way. Yes. I'm the one you love to hate. Oh my god, me too. <laughs> uh, people love to hate me, and you know what? That's fine, because it really doesn't fucking bother me. One of the things I, I used to be really bothered... Actually, I was thinking about this today. One of the things that I used to be really bothered by was how people in my life that I really care about and really look up to were going to view my actions. So I was actually much more careful about like how much I posted on Facebook, and like if I posted too much, were people going to judge me and, and think it was annoying, and all these things. And it was particularly, I've realized as I look back on it, it was particularly white people because my circle is mostly white people because that's what I grew up with. And I've been learning to expand that over time. But it was mostly what are these like friends of mine who used to be professors or what are these, what like, what are these people that I met through work going to think or whatever. And they were all white people. And I just think about it. And I'm like, they do not like what I put out there. They either don't have to follow it or they don't have to be connected to me still. But I'm now at a place where I don't really care if you are bothered by the opinions that I have. I share on Facebook to share information to hopefully help educate people. And I have been told over the decade or so that I have been trying to do this work in different levels as I've been growing and learning. I have, I, I guess I should say in the, in the past, like five to six ish years. I have had multiple people in different occasions tell me that the information sharing that I do helps change their perspectives on something. It helps change their vote. It helped change their like, uh, so I'm not going to stop doing it because if more people did what I do, we could cause more positive change. And I think we are so afraid and we fall so easily into, especially as white people, we fall so easily into worrying about how people around us are going to view what we post. And I get that there are nuances to that. Like if you have a job that you could lose because of certain sh sharing and whatnot, like I get that you have to be careful about that. I have family and friends who work for the government and they are not allowed to share anything that could possibly be construed as anti-government sentiment, right? Like anti, you can't dislike one government over the other publicly, right? Like I get that. But for everybody else, just consider who it is that you are concerned about when you are thinking about posting about this, when you are thinking about being outspoken about this. Who is it that you're worried about pissing off? Because my close friends and family... They know I'm going to be on my bullshit all the time. And if they're not cool with that, then they've got a choice. There's a door. Yep. And that's the difference between me now and even three years I've, ago. I know for sure, uh, particularly in the past year, year and a bit, where I have become more vocal about <laughs> things, that I have people who have put me on mute. Yeah. Or unfollow. Oh, yeah. And I mean, eh, I don't care much. It, I That used to bother me. And now I'm like, okay, keep me on mute. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're lost. When you turn me off mute, I'm still going to be on my bullshit. So like, your choice. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah. uh, but like, and I also, I have obviously, I've discussed this before <laughs> yeah. too, though, that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have the chair of the festival I've yeah, involved yeah, yeah. on my Facebook, and I've apologized profusely yeah. to him, because I'm like, I'm so sorry, I know that I'm a little loose tongue in here, and he goes, no, no, it's great, uh, you yeah. know, so like, because he, he sees and likes and interacts with my posts and my stories, or when I'm just sharing things about here. I'm not yeah. sure if he's ever actually listened to this podcast. If he does, I'd actually be really curious to hear his thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I would love to pick his I brain. I mean, it's so interesting, because, like, uh, so now how I make friends is when I meet somebody, I'm always skeptical, because I'm always like, you seem great, but what are where are we going to clash, right? Yeah. When I met you and Adriana, I literally, like, I met you guys on my move-out day, and then I came over, I think that night or the night after or whatever. And because we were like, oh, my God, we could have been friends all this time. What? Oh, my God. Siblings. Two years. Um, I know. Two fucking wasted years. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, like I walked in and I was like, OK, they seem really cool. But 
where are we in a class? So I very specifically, I do this while I'm dating too. Like I do it all the time now. I'll just throw things out. Like I would throw, I threw a few social justice things out and you guys were like, yeah, totally. And I was like, oh yes, these are my people. You know, but it was just like, and that meant too, that it was a safe environment for me to make friends and also just like insert myself into their family because it was, and also funny aside, my sister and my mom, like my mom always goes, how's my, how's my, uh, how's my new son? (laughs) My sister's like, my other brother. (laughs) So we do actually consider you family too. Hi guys. (laughs) But to like insert myself in the, you know, it made it safe for me to, to become attached to you guys. But it, but it was also just this like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be on my bullshit from here on out and uh, you guys are just going to have to deal. And they totally do. You know? So like I have absolutely called sister out on some bullshit before. <laughs> oh, yeah. She she is between the two of us. She she has her heart in the right place yes. on some things. But she definitely the level of apathy that she has yes. in general for yeah. people is at the level that's yeah. like concerning. And I, I, I love you, Adriana. I really, really do. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, no, there have definitely it's, been times where I've been like, oh, that could be a bit of a racist perspective. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like, she is super pro-Indigenous mm-hmm. rights and problems. Uh, she yeah. actually made a, a very thought-provoking yeah, post today really uh, discussing about the fact that, like, she turned on the water at home and it was brown mm-hmm. at first. And uh, her initial reaction was to be angry and upset and, like, what the fuck? How am I going to feed my cats? Whatever. And then she realized that because she's dating an indigenous woman, someone who is also very active in indigenous rights right now. Uh, and she said, that was my initial reaction. But then I thought there are indigenous communities that haven't had clean running water for 26 years. And the reality is, is, and I saw that post, it was really well written. And I, and I, and I really appreciate that she, she wrote that because this is how, unfortunately, how other white people learn is by listening. Unfortunately, it's not ideal, but by listening to other white people have these realizations and it make, it kicks in differently, unfortunately, because white people are trash. Um, Ooh, this shit be hitting we, different. <laughs> we don't, yeah, <laughs> yeah, actually though, we hear indigenous and black people and whatnot talk about these things and we're like, oh, it can't be that bad, right? Because we are trash, fully. Uh, admitting that I we are all trash mm-hmm. and uh, and then we see a white person make this acknowledgement and it makes it a little bit more palatable which again trash but it is it does help people come to these realizations and uh, and I thought that was really important because the other thing people don't consider is like yeah okay if we don't have water in the city dr- clean drinking water in the city like that's that sucks but it'll be dealt with faster because it's a city and it's mostly white people and it, uh, and we have the ability to drive to a Walmart and get a big fucking giant thing of water, clean fucking water, which people on reserves that don't have drink, clean drinking water don't have the ability to do most of the time. Yeah. Um, so these are all things that we don't generally consider because again, it's not within our paradigms and because we collectively refuse to do any sort of research or active listening or believe anything that's not within our own personal experience, we like to dismiss it. Yep. And that is applicable to all of the isms that you can think of across the board. Yep. That is applicable to our vaccine approach and everything else. Uh, so yeah, at least uh, today I learned, if nothing else, for all of the apathy that she has, yeah. that my youngest sister will die on the hill of indigenous rights and yeah. it's a good hill to die <laughs> it on. Is, it so. Is. It is. And I mean, she's, here's the thing is like, I say, I, you know, I say I've called her out on a couple of things and I have, but I don't expect that 
everybody be where I am, right? I've done, I've done this work very specifically, very like personally for years and years and years. And I know that I'm not going to always meet people who are where I'm at. All I care about is that people are willing to do the work and reflect, right? If I call you into a conversation and you get defensive and write me off, then we're not meant to be friends. And I think that's the safety piece is that like, I realized that no matter what, I didn't have to be, I didn't have to like lessen myself to fit in with you guys. Well, yeah. And I mean, yeah. as, as we've discussed before too, yeah. you're also at a level within your activism where you just give zero fucks anymore, yeah. which to a, a newer person <laughs> into it. It's intimidating. Can, it's intimidating. And, and, and can also come off-putting. Across, yeah. It can come across <laughs> yes. as particularly abrasive. Yes. But it comes from an earnest place and it comes yeah. from the need to have real discussions. Yes. I, I am, again, newer on this. So when I talk to most people, and I think that the, this is just me as a person in yeah. general anyways. I yeah, don't think yeah. it matters I how long I'll be at it. I yeah. would, I'm just the kind of person who will find the way to be diplomatic yeah. in my approach to things yeah. and just inherently make things more palatable for people, however that yeah. may need Whereas to Whereas you look. can see in my response to that dude that I was fighting with um, on my cousin's post, like, there's a certain point where I just stop caring about diplomatic and I go, literally, fuck you, you know? Like, <laughs> but I do have to say, um, because it has, like, one of the things I've struggled with, and this is just a, an anecdote to give some people hope, um, is that I, you know, there are moments that I get in this very, like, diligent <laughs> approach that I take to this. Attack Brahman. Attack Brahman. <laughs> Hashtag Brahman educates, as people used to say. Um, but Yes, we need to start using that hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people used to use it when I worked in residence life and was all about like pushing feminism within residence life. People were like, hashtag Brown educates and I was like, yes. Um, but uh, but also now I don't want it promoted because I also don't need to be the white face of activism, right? But back then I was like, yeah, promote it. <laughs> anyway, but, um, but I have always been off-putting to certain people, including my grandparents on my mom's side. You know, I've always been the more abrasive one, the one that's not as agreeable, the one that is uh, way more outspoken and kind of aggressively so and, and whatever. And I've always really, really struggled to have conversations like this around. On my dad's side, my grandpa's very, very conservative. He's like socially liberal and fiscally conservative, but the fiscally conservative part is so disconnected from the socially liberal, liberal part that those two things just don't, they don't work. That's an and, entire uh, Oh yeah, like he's a, <laughs> he supports Trump and like it's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> but the thing is, the difference is that like when they start yelling about their bullshit, I can start yelling about mine and that just is the way that family works. It still makes people uncomfortable, but my grandpa is just as outspoken as I am about opposite things. So like, it's not like it's unusual for people to be abrasive. But on the, on my mom's side of the family, it is, it's, it, they, like my grandparents were very much like, don't bother people with your issues, keep it in, don't tell anybody, whatever. But I was there visiting because my mom just moved to Sarnia. My grandparents are, they're getting quite old. My grandpa has, um, has dementia and, uh, it, so it's, it's, she's, she's moved there to, to help take care of them. Um, and I visited to, you know, help my mom settle in and also to, you know, get some time with my grandparents. I am very privileged to be 31 and still have both sets of grandparents. So I acknowledge this, <laughs> but I sat there and I have never, I have always really struggled to, to form specific bonds with my grandparents because of how abrasive I am and how quickly my mood can change depending on what comes up and whatnot. And I sat there and, and I started having a conversation with them. It was just the four of us, my mom, myself, and my grandparents. And my grandpa who hasn't been able to focus on anything for very long was just 
absolutely enthralled with the conversation and my grandma participated because I was talking about how, you know, my politics are very, very left and, and here's the reason why. And here's, you know, like there's so many people that are affected by our conservative governments. They literally harm people. They literally make it hard to live here. And, and late stage capitalism is harming all of us. I am 31. I am broke. I have no savings. I can't own my home. You know, like I, <laughs> and that's going to be my life for a long time. You know, it's just, this is where we live. And so my grandpa was just completely enthralled and, and very focused. And my mom was amazed. My grandma who never really engages because it's very uncomfortable for her spoke up at one point and said, you know, you say you're self-taught in politics. How did you learn all of this? And I just looked at her and I went, you know, grandma, it's all lived experience. This, the, the governments we have had up until now and the way that, the way that unfortunately like the baby boomer generation has, ex has exploited capitalism. It's just, this world is not livable. I have some friends who have been able to manage and they own homes and whatever, but I have a majority of friends who are in the same boat I am. And like I, I have to have a roommate and while I'm grateful you're my roommate because it makes it so much easier, it's, it's tough sometimes to look at it and be like, I'm 31 and I have a roommate because I literally can't afford to live alone. You know, like that's, and people who live at home at our age feel even worse because there's still this like cultural shame around it. And my grandparents were actually, who have voted conservative traditionally throughout all elections. And I mean, who knows my grandpa has dementia if he does vote this time. You might not remember this conversation, but they listened and they were actually really engaged and really like for the first time ever, I felt like my abrasiveness. And I think also just because how this has changed over time. Yes, I'm abrasive, but I'm also very calm about it in a way I didn't used to be, which maybe doesn't come across over the podcast as much because this is literally just me ranting, but I am much more patient with people. I am like, I do tell people to fuck off on social media all the time, but, but when I'm having these in-depth conversations, it's very experience-based. It's very, I'm very confident about it. I know what I'm talking about and I have the lived experience to really show that this is the reality. And, and I think that for the first time ever, it was really nice to just have two people who have traditionally found me pretty abrasive in my family, just listen and, and truly be grateful to learn this, you know, and it was just such a great moment that I am going to cherish and that I am going to hold on to. Um, because being the person that I am isn't actually easy. I do it anyway, because I think it's important, but I, it isn't always easy. I am very, I am, a, to some people I am not very palatable and, and that's fine. But to be able to have this moment with my grandparents who are very anti don't you know like anti emotions anti you know like don't let it ruin your day type people and i'm like okay i have to let it ruin my day because if i don't let it ruin my day now it's gonna ruin my week you know like i gotta feel this emotion now very strongly and then let it go and that's it, it was just this moment of like they actually listened and they, they were they they actually wanted to hear you well know? I, I think the thing too with you primarily is that a lot it's the way that you call people in mm -hmm. that can be less palatable because the initial reaction is to get defensive mm -hmm. because our egos are on the line. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of people who haven't put in the same level of work that you have are able to remove the ego and not uh, automatically think that the way that you're calling in is a personal attack. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not. And when they can get past that point and have the conversation with you, that's when you see, oh, okay, cool. She's not just this abrasive bitch out to claw <laughs> down my throat. Like I, mean, I am, but yeah, <laughs> but not just that, yeah. but not just that. Yeah. So, I think that's the thing that gets lost sometimes in how abrasive I am around. And I guess abrasive is not entirely the word. I think that's how I'm perceived and I get it. But I, I think how like 
direct and unapologetic I am about it. Um, it, it's not palatable to some people because it, of that defense, right? But I think what people realize once they get to know me is that I'm more than willing to have these conversations with people. And I actually am very patient and kind and understanding and I'm willing to hold people's hand to an extent to get there. And I think that's why like my Facebook posting and things like that has really helped people over time because it is never in a, if you don't think this, you're a bigot kind of way. Although I do sometimes say that, but like, but for the most part, it's, hey, I encourage you white people to please read this and consider, you know, it's very much a, I encourage you to do this work. Here's the information so that it's not so hard to find. Yeah. And, and I think that the, like, even with friend, like I almost ended a friendship over voting in the 2018 provincial election. And, you know, I'm still friends with this person, but it, it took a while because for me, the amount of information sharing I was doing on Facebook to make sure that all of the info for voting was palatable and easy to find and, and easy to read and whatnot had been ignored because of her upbringing and her not seeing uh, voting as important and never having been raised in that kind of environment. Um, and she did vote in the, the most recent federal election because she realized like how easy voting actually is and how little time it takes and, and whatnot. But it, it, to me, that was really hard because I do all of this, not because I need to see immediate actions from people, but just because I it, like, it's important. <laughs> and I think sometimes it's hard to share all of this information and to do all of this and to have people still be like, ah, voting doesn't matter. You know, and it's like, but it, it does. It literally causes you harm. It literally causes you harm, let alone me and other people, right? And it's, it's trying to like combat this like very individualistic way we have it looking at politics. Y'all right? didn't see the inherent eye twitch that happened when she was <laughs> like, but it does affect you. <laughs> Uh, and also jumping back to a little bit before we got on this final tangent here to bring writing? things, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Were you just letting me talk away, and he's literally doing a Pokemon Go raid while I'm <laughs> Wow, shiny chasing. <laughs> is it Dialga? Oh. It is. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, a little Pokemon Go Easter egg for our Pokemon Go right. players. <laughs> <laughs> but, also, but I was also paying attention. I know you uh, and so You're jumping better at multitasking back, than me. <laughs> jumping back full circle to the hashtag Bronwyn Educates and mentioning hashtags. <laughs> Y'all should follow us on our social media. Yeah, you should. Instagram and Facebook at Sibling Rants and at, in, in, bleh, at Sibling Rants Pod on Twitter. Yes. Words are hard sometimes. <laughs> and if you have anything you want to say to us or you have suggestions of things that we could talk about seriously i'm begging you please give us suggestions because right. it's about to be a busy few months and we <laughs> it's easier for us easier. to provide prime primo content that you are going to enjoy if you give us suggestions yeah. so if you wanted to send us a, a, a dm on one of our socials or uh or a, an email to siblingrants at gmail.com we would very much appreciate it because it gives us a kind of fuel for our rants next week um and the weeks after that and uh, additionally, if you have not left us a review yet, uh, if you are new here, that's okay. Reviews are easy. They take like less than 30 seconds. You can do them on Facebook and Apple Podcasts. Uh, it really helps us out and get seen. And if you have been following us this whole time and you still have not written one. You get the abrasive side. Fucking do it. What are you doing? <laughs> do you not love us? Right? <laughs> Why do you not love me? Do you not love Does me? Nobody loves this <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, so yes, please, uh, please give us your reviews. We very much appreciate it. Um, we're going to have to start hunting some of you down and like forcing you to do it. So, you know, if you don't want that, do it. <laughs> 
Just do it. Just do it. Make your um, dreams a reality. Make our dreams a reality. Okay. Well, yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Okay, thank you everybody for uh, listening to this week. And uh, I'm sure many of you felt some of the anger yourself. And uh, uh, yeah. Because it's very relevant. It but, is um, super, super relevant. And again, uh, uh, yeah. sorry for... Well, sorry, not sorry for being a little vague off the top of it. Uh, more things will come to light come next week. Next week will be yeah. a big discussion about mental health, healthy relationships, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and the whole shebang. So look forward to that. Stay so I had tuned. two failed relationships in 2020. I'm ready. Yeah, we, <laughs> we got con. We do. So next week we're good, but uh, any other week, if you want to help us out, please do. Um, but yeah, thanks for following along, and uh, we'll, we'll see, see you next week. week. Bye. Bye.